0: so weird being back i had to like listen to everybody like i had to listen to michael do all my bits on the aoa one just (laughs) like an hour ago so
1: behold the sword of power excalibur
0: Welcome to the Ogasha oh oh Galio oh Wow Podcast, the podcast where we talk about the Marvel comic series Excalibur and nothing but Excalibur every week for 126 plus weeks. This week we're discussing Excalibur number 93, The Spire, in which Rain Sinclair goes home again and finds the words to say why it sucks, and Megan has brand new powers again. Excalibur number 93 was originally published in January 1996, and the creative team is Warren Ellis on writing, Casey Jones on pencils, Tom Simons on inks, Adrian Lenshock and Malibu Hughes on colors, Richard Starkings and on Letters and Suzanne Gaffney on Editing. Think you see werewolves a lot? Did I change last night? How at the moon? How do you feel? Wicked. Welcome back to the Excalachat podcast that's been especially Excalachatty lately as we confront another issue that's mostly talking about issues. But who are we? Starting with myself, I am Dr. Anna Bapard. I tend to talk about sex and gender and related nonsense in comics and pop culture in the usual academic spots and around the internet at the Twitter account Sequential Scholars where we are probably currently wrapping up a series of threads on Alan Moore and Dave Gibbons' Superman story for the man who has everything. I am also Kurt Wagner's unofficial PR manager and in that capacity, I'm glad we've got a story about religious intolerance that doesn't involve me having to watch kurt hate himself i'll take what i can get on this theme i am as always joined by mav how's your tolerance this week
2: oh i'm I'm doing great i've decided i'm going to be a nuclear physicist that's what i'm doing now that's what it is from now on from here on out it always was i know i used to be a literary and cultural scholar and like a podcast host but i grew out of it i'm just not going to do that anymore just a totally different guy now that's a thing that we that you can just decide right Like, isn't that how that works?
0: I'm 100% sure that's how personal growth works.
2: No, Yeah, that's, uh, I mean, like, all I have to do is say that I have grown out of something and I can just say it in one panel as a throwaway line and I can be somebody else. I wish I knew that before (laughs) I changed careers and went to grad school. Because I could have saved myself like 10 yeah. years of study and a lot of money. <laughs> it, it would have been so great. but like but no, no, I last time I like literally gave up a career and went to school for like a long time. That was hard. So instead, I'm just gonna do nuclear physics right from now on. I don't know like anything about nuclear physics but let's just assume that i do but beyond that you know i guess (laughs) i used to be a popular culture scholar and a teaching assistant professor of digital narrative interactive design at university of pittsburgh and i don't know host of vox popcasts and lots of other stuff a lot of weird stuff but now nuclear physicist
0: congratulations thank you
2: thank you worked real hard
0: (laughs) i'm excited about this life change um andrew what's your perspective on the past today
1: um i don't know uh Well, that was a strange question i apologize i try
0: to to make these transitions work and i don't always succeed but please just introduce yourself andrew i'm sorry
1: no 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 i did it to myself Uh, i'm a lecturer at st john's university and i am co-lead at sequential scholars i've also had more time to reflect on the symbolic violence that has been infecting the x-men podcast universe lately and here's Ah, the metaphor that that i would use think of choosing your x-men comic podcast like choosing a table in a high school cafeteria and within that cafeteria, I would argue that the Excalibur podcast table would be most obviously analogous to the theater kids table. And any battle-based podcasts would obviously be the jocks, and we all know how the jocks feel toward the theater table when they're bullying them—a weird mix of envy and repressed sexual anger. And I just think we should all reflect on this. <laughs>
0: Well, this, this has gotten <laughs> intense i don't i don't know <laughs> how will we ever
2: resolve this ongoing just, no it's just if there's any listeners who don't get the joke i just i just, I just wonder it's like, what is he talking about <laughs> but no no don't explain it just moving on our very
0: good friends um over at battle of the atom <laughs> moving on um we are joined this week (laughs) by a returning guest who last joined us for one of those absolutely atrocious wakanda issues so i can only assume he's gonna think this is the best comic book that he has ever read the pod is absolutely chuffed to welcome back dr michael b dando hello mike
3: hey everybody
0: hey mike
3: (laughs) (laughs) i am so glad to be back thank you for having me which
2: cafeteria table do you want to
3: sit at? <laughs> oh, I want to sit at the theater kids table. I'm right where I, I'm right where I be- I'm right where I belong. I'm picking fights with people I don't really know in real life, but that's okay. Excited to excited to talk about about comics, about uh, all of this uh, all this all this goodness we've got uh, in store.
0: Oh, I'm very eager to hear your thoughts about it. Um, let me do a bio of you, Mike, and then sure, to remind our remind our lovely listeners of what you get up to, and then we'll get into into some of the specifics. of What you get up to. So, Dr. Michael B. Dando is an assistant professor of communication arts and literature at St. Cloud State University in Minnesota, an award winning author, artist, educator, and scholar with two decades of classroom experience. His research and writing explores ways teachers and schools collaborate with communities to build collective, civically engaged, democratic opportunities and systems for social justice education. So (laughs) grateful to have you back with us, Mike. Um, We, of course, did your comics origin story during your last appearance where we discussed Excalibur 59. um, We also also discussed Ugh. hip-hop and Afrofuturism <laughs> and lots of other awesome stuff on that podcast, avoiding discussing the actual comic as much as possible. <laughs> so people definitely should go listen to the podcast. The podcast is great, comic not so much, but we won't do the origin story again. But I did want to gauge your familiarity with kind of this era of comics and this era of sure. Excalibur and your familiarity with uh, with Wolfsbane, Rain Sinclair. Is this a character that you, that you are familiar with?
3: Yes, absolutely. This era of comics was really make or break for me. You know, this is '96, um, so I'm cu- we're coming off of the X-Men cartoon. We're, we're in the middle of just this uh, resurgent sort of X-Men era, right? Jim Lee in the in the early early '90s really was formative for a lot of us, and I really I really love the Excalibur team, um, particularly. I got into it because a Nightcrawler, obviously. Um, I think Aww. it was it was true for a lot of us, but I really liked like the New Mutants uh, as well, and so the character has always been very, very interesting for me because I hadn't seen anything like that before, and I'd always and I want to say this. I want to say this tactfully. I have always loved like werewolf stuff, okay. um, werewolf movies, right? Like even like the old like remember the old like Michael Landon black and white movie it was like yeah. I was a teenage werewolf, like back mm-hmm. like the Lon Chaney it was absolutely uh, Lon uh-huh. Chaney Jr. Yeah, um, yeah the, the Lon, Lon Chaney stuff, Um, and you know now with the with the benefit of hindsight, I kind of get that a little bit. I get why that's appealing. Um. In terms of understanding self and identity and a, a number of other things but i think with rain st Clair, i thought it was interesting because i had never seen that kind of that kind of expression of like a wolf person if that makes if that makes sense okay. um and i thought it was really really intriguing to me because i had seen the wolf man but i had never seen like i'd never seen a wolf girl if mm-hmm. that makes sense and I, I remember thinking Even at like 14 or however old I however old I was, I could probably do the math But it would make me sad um, <laughs> but, uh, but, but I remember Even thinking then, I was like, wow, I bet it would be Different to be, you know, I bet it would be different To be a wolf girl than a wolf boy You know, and, and Teen Wolf I remember really loving with Michael J. Fox And he got to be super cool Like it was tough, but it, adolescence know. is hard No matter what, but he got to be cool and on the basketball Team and I always thought it would be interesting To like, could you be, could you be somebody different than a wolf boy i guess Mm -hmm. and so that's kind of one of the things that that has always interested me about the character and x-men in general is is how do we understand difference and how do we make sense of it when we feel different anyways that's why i like the character because good characters make make us ask invite us to ask interesting questions and i think she does that really really well and has for a long time
0: oh that's awesome yeah that should be very relevant to the conversation that we have in this issue today feel free
3: to fix that terrible answer in post
0: no that's wonderful (laughs) That was wonderful. Do you have much familiarity with kind of like the comics of Warren Ellis? Like we've done the real world stuff with Ellis sure. on a few previous podcasts, but like, yeah, is he a writer that you have much sort of experience with?
3: Yeah, um, I think my experience is not dissimilar to a lot of folks' experience. Not only am I sort of familiar with with his writing, but the sort of wider impact he had on on writing and in mm-hmm. the comics industry so you know we've 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 touched on you, you said you've touched on a lot of the real world stuff but my familiarity with him was one of those when you're when you're reading casually you know when they come out on the monthly um and you're a adolescent you your teen or whatever uh I, I wouldn't necessarily pay attention to who was writing i just knew if the story was good and then i obviously like i learned I was like, whose stories I really, really liked, but like, I knew Jim Lee's art was on X-Men, but I didn't like go, oh, Chris Claremont, we got to, I got to get on that because that wasn't where my head was at, but I knew I liked the stories and the Warren Ellis stories were kind of in that same vein where I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm reading that style of writing that kind of story um, without sort of having the the knowledge going in that, it, mm-hmm. that I was oh I gotta pick up this Warren Ellis story I'm seven you know 17 that's not where my head was at but it's definitely influenced my aesthetic taste my writing preference I've, I would say even my writing style you know you, for lack of a better term I guess in a lot of ways I imprinted on that aesthetic um, because it was it's like Calgon you're soaking in it right <laughs> that'll, mean, that'll mean that'll mean a very that'll Mean yeah, very a... much to very like four <laughs> or five people, but feel seen. Four or five people <laughs> take me away, <laughs> take me away, <laughs> exactly. <laughs>
0: his influence was just everywhere during Soraya's era and I I feel like as much as I don't want to talk about the scandal again I feel like when the scandals with him kind of broke there were some people that were like oh but does he even matter and I was like well if you were around in comics during the 90s and early 2000s he was the guy like the Mm -hmm. guy. Right
3: and so for me it was to say that there wasn't any sort of impact or influence like I think that to to just talk about the, the very real world impact it was like well how do we then navigate these how do we navigate this terrain now given the incredible impact just in the medium not only just in the genre of superheroes uh, but in the medium of comics and writ large i think impactful but problematic obviously yeah um yeah so i can't i wouldn't it would be disingenuous to be like no i never liked warren ellis blah, 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 right like i'm not going to mm-hmm. go back and and edit my past to say like there was no influence there but but it is it is there but it is it is also a bummer In a lot of ways,
0: I think a lot of because now
3: I can't read like this comic that I read. Now I can't read it without some of without that coloring. Yeah, my 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 vision of it. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, Mm. it does.
0: We've been coming up against that a lot lately because we're we're kind of trying not to make every episode about that because that would be challenging for like us to do fifty episodes (laughs) about that. But at the same time, yeah, like I'm sure it will come up. And like yeah, go listen to the pod we did with Ilan Eleven, where we talked about that in depth and sort of how we should Mm -hmm. respond to this work in that Mm -hmm. context. But of course it keeps coming up because of course it does, but um, let's get into it. We'll do the issue summary and then we'll come back to your first impressions of this particular comic and obviously talk a little bit more about Rain Sinclair and religious themes and comics. We're going to talk about that today too, since that is obviously the subject matter we have for today. So I know we've got lots of lovely listeners reading along with the pod. We definitely lecture shame any authority figures with the audacity to suggest you should be less than awesome. Just to prove how much we care, here's a plot summary of this week's righteous events. Excalibur number 93 opens with Professor Xavier yelling about a drink with a cigarette dangling from his lip. Oh wait, it's just Pete Wisdom in a mortifying, blasphemous disguise. To punish him for his terrible humor, Moira promises <laughs> to refrigerate the probes before Pete's next round of medical tests. As you recall, Wisdom is still recuperating from injuries sustained in the attack by Colossus in the last issue. With Pete and Moira out of the picture, Kitty, Megan, and Kurt are left on the cliffside enjoying coffee until Kurt, too, says he must go, offering a truly devastating apology that he's expecting a call from Hank McCoy. Kitty and Megan go for a walk along the cliffside not passing the Bechdel test because they only talk about their boyfriends until they encounter Rain staring off into the distance sure she saw something on the mainland. Using new superpowers that I won't try to explain here (laughs) Megan is able to project (laughs) psychic traces of this fire in the woods on the mainland. There were so many words and none of them made sense. Um, Kitty, (laughs) Megan, and Rain decide to investigate Megan flying them to the shore. Kitty phases them through the fire until Megan literally tells it to go away, another thing she can conveniently do these days. When the fire Recedes, they find a young girl at the core of it rain talks to her and discovers she's a mutant who's been harassed by a reverend in kinross rain knows that guy so to kinross we go in the church at kinross rain confronts her former guardian reverend craig but this time rain has power over him she exerts her knowledge of craig's obsession or maybe something more with her mother to scare him then does a mic drop and walks off winning the battle without throwing a single punch Okay, Mike, what were your first impressions of this issue? What are you particularly eager to talk about? Did you like this comic? Maybe that's a good basic question.
3: (laughs) Some of these are really hard for me to read. Um, just because, and, and, and the reason I mean that is they're good, they're good for what they were, but they have like, yeah, they haven't aged aesthetically really great in a lot of ways. And so here's what I, you know what I liked? I liked the first part where he was like, Hey, smoking's bad. I was like, yeah, I can get behind that. It's like, don't, don't smoke, don't smoke anymore. Boo smoking. I was like, all right, we're off to a good start. So I thought that I thought that was really, really good. You know, some of them some of that Marvel stuff where you just have like silhouettes in the background that have speech bubbles over them. They were just like, well, we didn't draw those. <laughs> it's just black backgrounds. <laughs> it's just rain off on the like I think it's on like one of the early pages where it's just just like she's off on a cliffside, and they drew the rocks, but then like didn't draw rain, yeah. <laughs> so it's just her silhouette. <laughs> and I was like, and I just don't understand. I don't understand some of the aesthetic choices, especially like on the splash where we're learning about Megan's new powers, mm-hmm. which I don't. I would love for someone to explain to me
2: because I probably no. Uh, we're...
3: No, <laughs> I mean, Mav, Mavs the
0: one I, who and, specializes in physics now, isn't he? No, no.
2: Yeah. It, it this is not a. It does not happen. It does not get any better. This is this is about okay. as much explanation as you get. And from here on out, Megan can do what we need her to do in that particular issue, and maybe Fantastic. she can do. And she might not be able to do it next issue. This is great. Were you, you um, going
0: Were you gonna? Were you moving towards discussing her almost nip slip costume, Mike, or was it something? Right.
3: Else? Well, there was a couple of things. Yeah. Okay. so this is what i mean by that 90s aesthetic if you go to those of you reading along um you go to that double page spread right the splash where she's like i can see and hear natural forces like sure (laughs) why all right but no they were like let's do the cool spot color of the x-men uniforms but we, we we refuse to draw the rest of the figures. We will, however, render Megan in excruciating detail. And the almost dishonest so like, I think I understand who the who the target demographic is. <laughs> just based on this. Uh and and so That's it's a lot there. It's a drag. And then like some of the stuff isn't as well rendered as I would hope. Like even on the next page, like people like eyes are a problem. And then she can yeah, fly. Yeah he sometimes um, he
0: sometimes gives people Cross eyes a little bit, and I yeah. I don't know whether to and blame Jones or the Inker, but still, it's it's a bit of an it's, issue. It's
3: it's it's a team effort, I feel like. But I I liked some of this issue. I didn't like some of this issue, or maybe I I had I had questions about some of the issue. Um, I for but for me, and I get hung up on some of these things, like with Rain's costume, right when she's mm-hmm. not in wolf form. I yeah. have
2: oh, I, it is one of my notes. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> Help, I know exactly help, what you're going to say. Go yes.
3: Help me understand what is happening. That seems that seems uh, like a poor choice.
2: Um, okay. It seems a confusing choice. It seems it seems like are you are you uh, so uh, just just for clarification, you're referring to the fact that she has opted to wear a thong into church. Not like it's wrong correct, to wear a fang. but that, no, that no, is no. the entirety of her outfit. And <laughs> right. And she's just no. Around. I have
3: I have a question. I have a question. For Rain Sinclair,
2: shyest of the new mutants. Yes. Correct. <laughs> there it is. I was like, well,
3: did no one like? It's not functional, nor is it. Nor. And she just like rocks into church in in her like metal epaulets, but also no pants. And I that, can but, explain like, it, I'm, and I can.
2: I'm so I, confused. I can both no, go explain ahead, it I, and I can, and I can explain what went wrong because this is. So I will note that the outfit that Rain wears during her time next caliber is my least favorite wolfsbane outfit i do not like it um i I don't think it works i understand the logic of it it initially it initially appears in x factor number 71 because again i was ready for this one because it's what i want to talk about um (laughs) it it is when when um after the after jim lee takes on the x-men adjective list and they do the team shuffling x factor which had always been the original x-men becomes a team composed of havoc polaris Wolf's Mane and uh, um, uh, Strong Guy and Quicksilver originally
1: hmm? and madrix
2: yeah and madrix and quicksilver and um and wolfsbane is on the team and this was the costume given to her by a favorite artist of mine that we've talked about on the show before larry stroman or at least something like this costume now this is very much the um this is very much the 90s aesthetic time and right. stroman is not a 90s aesthetic artist he has his own thing going on he's a graffiti artist right. and he and he he was his own thing back then, and the, the wolfsbane costume as explained in uh, Official Handbook to the Marvel Universe had always been this unstable molecule thing where the idea was that as she transformed into a wolf, it would shrink down to just be a collar. Um, it was programmed by that that way by Xavier. And Stroman's aesthetic assumed that if this is your power, if your power is this, uh, Wolfsbane, because of her powers, should have a more minimalistic costume than the other X-Factor members in order to sort of really highlight her bestial wolf like aesthetic that she was going through when he first takes over, she can't transform fully back into human. And so she's, right. she's mostly wolfish all the time. So it is, right. it, it it's intended to show her lupineness in, in, in every over time, this gets healed and she can change back into a regular girl again. And so the costume sort of makes less sense because she'll she'll be walking around basically in a bathing suit a lot, which the Rain Sinclair that we'd been reading would have been very embarrassed by that to not be covered by fur and, and things like that. Also, Stroman eventually leaves the book and it wasn't really just a bathing suit. It wasn't just a leotard. There were lots of ornate sort of leather doodads and bits over it she had like kind of a belt and everything like he was going for a whole aesthetic for the team the costumes get vastly simplified after stroman leaves x factor when rain gets bumped over from x factor to excalibur she just comes in that outfit she also comes with the first few ep- issues of x of excalibur that she's in we talked about this there she's stuck in wolf girl form and then she changes back because I guess like the Ellis didn't know that she was supposed to be able to change back. I'm I'm guessing. Be- but she could by then. So now she suddenly can be human and she just is. But she's human in this outfit and the outfit because it's the 90s and not being drawn by Larry Strowman. Right. Is getting even sexier to where it's not just it's not just a leotard. It's a leotard with a thong back that mm-hmm. I have no problem with. Except that Rain Sinclair would never wear that because she is, she's very body phobic of her own body. She has too many issues. Mm -hmm. She would feel naked. Mm -hmm. Even being naked by virtue of turning into a wolf is embarrassing for her. That's where that character is. Most of the time, not so much in this issue. In this issue, she's very confident in herself. you know, Which conflicts with who she was literally last issue in this comic. I know. (laughs) <laughs> but um, but like the art like I, I hate most egregiously on the last page of this comic mm-hmm. proper when or the, when she's wandering around and she the last two pages it is the most butt flossy I've ever seen this costume drawn for her and it just does not work for this character because she should feel naked it's okay it's okay if megan's walking around like this it is not okay for rain she can't she she just wouldn't be able to do it and she wouldn't be able to you know like she's the one telling everybody else you know she's when they're wandering in into the thing she's like um she's telling kitty and megan don't worry it doesn't matter if they stare at you i'm like what are you talking about that's not who you are (laughs) And so, so so yes, the, the, the costume I have issues with in particular in this issue, it, it extremely stands out.
0: Yeah, and I mean, it really illustrates the fact that, I mean, a lot of people were drawing the costumes like this in the 90s, but mm-hmm. you, like, color the legs with leotards so that it's like, oh, it's an aerobics outfit, it's not just thong underwear. <laughs> but when her, like, legs are colored with flesh color, it becomes really clear that that's what it is.
2: Um, Strowman actually gave her the, you know, he gave her the brief style Bottom but when Strowman draws it It's not a thong Strowman gives her full butt coverage when she's in When she's in humanoid form in X Factor. I went back and checked because I was because when I'm yeah. reading, I'm like, I don't think he was doing that. And by the way, Strowman is not above drawing Vongs. Um, Strowman I- enjoys a good ass on many a picture, but he did not draw Rain that way because he understood that it was important to the
0: character. Well, yeah, I mean, it's just a classic case of, you know, what I always say about sexy costumes and superhero comics or like sexy bodies and superhero comics in general. It depends on characterization. You know, if like mm-hmm. right. a female character right. is sexy regardless of who they are or how they would dress then it's not extending from character and that is a classic case of problematic objectification because Mm -hmm. you are making the character fit a stereotypical male gaze that actually dehumanizes them because you're (laughs) diminishing their subjectivity by not making their outfits or their body based on character it's just classic Mm -hmm. classic classic and it's especially egregious here because this is a big character moment for Rain like she does the meg drop on the guy who's like traumatized her and like emotionally abused her and this Abused her and all of this stuff. She does the mic drop and then turns away with the male gazy thong, and it's like, wow, that was about the least <laughs> effective like visual choice you could have made in this particular moment. And again, if it was going to be a, a point about like I'm asserting my sexual power and so I'm going to sure. show my thong butt to the priest, sure, yeah. sure. If that it's Rasputin, no problem
2: whatsoever. Yeah, if <laughs> this right. is not if, that yeah, it, story, it, it, yeah, it, this is not her. That's not who she is, and it, and it can't be and it, and the, and it breaks it because it's it is literally art just not understanding the characters that are being represented Mm -hmm. by virtue of being in the story and and it is and so yeah that was like my my big thing i'm like oh this can this is this is where we're finally going to talk about it because she's since she's been here we've not really dealt with her costume she's not you know she's not going on a superhero adventure yet she's just kind of been around
3: yeah and that moment where it's like where they first go into town and we're picking up eye tracks I don't care. Wait a minute. Let them look. Hang on. That's, that's not you. I, be, beca- because, because, and, and I went back and and for once I did my homework. And uh, so I just went back and just read like the New Mutants Omnibus. And that's not who that that that's a divergence from any understanding of the care. And, and I thought it was really interesting getting into some of this. And as you said, some of the trauma, like maybe that kind of we can get into this a little bit. Maybe that that was an opportunity to build on on some of of, of that, right? Some of the issues of being afraid of your own body. I thought that I I think that's a really, really interesting point, especially given the religious overtones, (laughs) overt tones that this issue has. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah. Well. Anyway, I want to pick up your thoughts about it, Andrew, because we haven't heard from you on this podcast yet. Like, what was your first reaction to this issue? Like, how are you coming into this week? Did you love it? Hate it? How are you feeling?
1: I, I don't like it. I think, um uh, exactly as everyone else has said, I, I think this is a really watered down version of the conflicts that define Rain Sinclair, mm-hmm. a, a character who, I mean, we haven't introduced this yet, but 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 Rain Sinclair is a really important symbol of trans and queer youth. Yes. Um, and Part of what makes her an effective symbol is the complexity with which the various forces affecting her are rendered. Um, so for, to have Alice come in here and one simplify the hell out of them, uh, and, and then two resolve the conflict that defines Rain. I mean, I mean, you could argue it's it's good. It's like positive growth, um, but that only works if he's going to do something else with that character, and, mm. and I'm not sure we get that. So for me, this is this is a rough issue. And I think it really reflects a, a weakness in Alice's writing that we've talked about before, mm-hmm. which is he is not good at writing female characters. Certainly not ones <sighs> yeah. that were forced
2: on him because this because this one is uh, this is another thing. Remember, we rain walked out of X Factor between issues. There's no reason for her to be here other than she is in this book to tie Excalibur more closely to the rest of the X-Men. It's literally the only reason she exists in this world right now. One month she was in X-Factor and then the next month she was here and in X-Factor you're, there's like a note of, oh yeah, Rain's visiting her mom in Scotland and that's like the last they talk about. It. It, it's it's literally just... So I, I I don't feel like this is a character he even wants it's the you know we've talked about the problem with amanda where he had like sort of figure it out because i i really feel like x factor is a group that was here's the characters that you're going to use and you're going to write a story about them because i don't Mm -hmm. feel like he cares about them at all like he he has a complexity to the way he writes (laughs) his female characters in the authority because those are his babies Mm -hmm. you know now you might not like the authority but ellis clearly cares about what he's doing in a way that in a way that he doesn't seem to care about rain here at all i think he's trying to do something but i don't think he has a handle on who she is
0: well yeah he's trying to rewrite the female characters into female characters that he would enjoy writing and it's been awkward Right. let's mm-hmm. put it that way yes. but, um, yes. let's, let's, let's talk about the religion of it all because mm-hmm. I do think that part of my complaint about it is going to boil down to a thing that people often do when they write religion in superhero comics which is that they want to make a speech about it and just use the characters in whatever way they want <laughs> to make a speech about it um, but anyway uh, I'll put it to you first Mike like how, in your experience, is religion often handled in superhero comics? like do you think it's like sort of a productive space to to talk about religion? Has it proved that to you in the past?
3: It can. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know that yeah. this is it. I, I think, for example, and, and it's almost God loves man kills. I mean, that's such a mm-hmm. it's such a foundational comic. I think that because it was that because it it did it so well, it was good. That makes sense. Yes, it was,
2: that, that, that book it, is good. Does
3: that make sense? Like, because people did it so well, they said, Oh, we we need to do that. That, that, That's what it can do. And so everybody's kind of trying to sock puppet. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And that's not what that book did. You know, that line when, you know, you you dare call this, this thing human like that resonates like, wow, that is like, that's what the medium of comics can do. That's what x-men does that's what these writers are doing and i think that folks are looking at aesthetically what it did and and trying to i think when people do that as you said when they speechify i think they tend to to think that that's what they're supposed to do because that particular comic took up religion and belief and doubt and guilt and everything so well um in such a short amount of time such a compressed you know couple issues or, or what have you one really one is one graphic novel that i felt like this was trying to do that but doing it the real bad cover version of it (laughs) if that made sense like oh we got a preacher and he sucks and we got this (laughs) non-human person and they're lovable and so let's have the bad preacher do mean things to the right does that mean you know like it hits all the story beats but with none of the good stuff Mm -hmm. right let's have him yell get out of the house of god let's have him do that Mm -hmm. (laughs) um It's like that, that, that way we know he sucks. Let's have her say, let's have him call her devil child. Right. (laughs) Like, uh, oh, Oh, okay. We get it. We got it. He's the, he's the intolerant one. We, we got it. It's It's <laughs> um, sort of
0: the exaggerated uh, bigotry of some of these religious yeah. portrayals that come up again and again in excellent yeah. comics that I sort of feel like end up being unproductive because, yes, there are religious people who are like this, but making them so mm-hmm. cartoonishly evil perhaps divorces right. us from a productive reality in which we can discuss the complexity of religion. And it just well, boils think, down to this is a cartoonish villain. Yeah, it lets yeah. people off the hook, too. Yeah, right.
3: When, when, when it's drawn, I'm looking at this, I'm looking at this, my favorite panel, where it's just like sinners in the hands of an angry God, Jonathan Edwards style, like in a dark robe, shrieking, like hand clenched in the air, sweating because he's so angry. Mm -hmm. Right? Like, that lets people (laughs) off the hook because they can say well i'm not like that that's that's bigotry of course that's bigotry that does like i would never do that when we mm-hmm. when the the idea behind behind even just the ex, all the x titles is how do we think about each other and how do we treat each other and how do we understand difference what happens when i am out of pocket a little bit i'm not like that but this this allows me to this allows me to sit to to situate myself if I'm reading this as a good a good guy without dealing with any of the with any of the issues that this has the the potential to, to bring up. Does that does that make sense?
1: One of the things that I think is really kind of interesting because I, I think it is atypical is the extent to which Ellis um, basically has rain become spider Jerusalem for a bit and, and represent the field of like um, intellectual inquiry, perhaps even the sciences. Mm. Um and that that's interesting to me. I think you could do do some cool stuff with that. My only problem is again what we talked about earlier, which is character consistency. Because C- when did Rain pick that up? You know what I mean? Like when did she develop these these tools for learning the objective truths of the universe? Um, earlier so today, I, again, she, yeah, she's 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 sort <laughs> of f- fixed before this scene and and again i think that's a fundamental misunderstanding of what makes some of these characters great is that like if if you read the early new mutants rain is really kind of compelling because she's kind of a bigot Mm -hmm, Uh, she's mm -hmm. horrible to liana she wants to be Mm -hmm. a good person but she can't easily escape from the fundamentalism that informed her childhood like i love that as a character beat exactly and it's just it's not here it's just gone
0: yeah and i mean it's it's the desire to like escape religious conflicts you end up simplifying the religious conflicts in ways Mm -hmm, that are not mm -hmm. productive because i mean who doesn't want to see rain be like i'm free of my religious programming now like i mean you know my bigoted religious programming specifically and i'm going to you know be this empowered person now with all this knowledge at my disposal and it's like sure great celebrate that but that's not how that works (laughs) like anybody who's been through that experience mm -hmm, that is not how that mm -hmm. works
2: and to be fair like (laughs) the last the last few times we've seen rain being written by Fabian Nyzeza in the end of at the end of new Munits as it's transforming into x force and in x factor being written by Peter David up you know up until she walks over here rain had grown beyond the religious fundamental bigotry that she'd learned that made her made, made her essentially evil to rain uh, to ilyana it, she had guilt about it so she she has progressed from her days you know under claremont and, and simonson but she didn't progress to this this is still not who she is like and yeah. and it's not, and it's largely not who she's gonna be for the rest of excalibur either it's a weird anomaly in order to make this religious point and i think the religious point is better made with her self-doubt than it is with her shirt. like it, yeah like it it, it is yeah. odd. Because yeah. she could have just been like when she sees the little girl and she sees herself in, in her. I understand the no, I've got to save this girl. From the devil that is the that is the the father, right? That that is um the, the priest uh who's Reverend, at, Reverend, I Reverend, Craig. Reverend Craig? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I've got to save, yeah, I've gotta save her from Reverend Craig. I understand that, but that's not her main motivation. Her main motivation is finally I get a chance to to tell off Reverend Craig, I've been waiting for this for years, and you know, she hasn't been. Mm-hmm. Like you can even get to the same moment. I'm even okay with her getting to the moment of no, I need to tell him off because I cannot let him do this to another child. That I I buy, but she's got... There's there's too much self-assuredness. I want her to struggle with it. I want her to be the girl who struggles with being you know, the good Catholic girl, but she's super attracted to Richter. Like that made sense. (laughs) You know, like that was a thing that happened, you know, that was, that. that's a storyline that makes sense. Or I want to, you know, I'm really, really good. And I'm, you know, I'm tolerant. And Ilyana is a creature of Satan. And I hate her. Like, like those things make sense. (laughs) I, I like, I like the conflict there because what makes her interesting is when there aren't easy answers, even with the thing that I complained about before with her costume, if she, Feels naked in the costume, but wears it because she needs to, for you know, by virtue of what her powers are like, she needs to be able to wolf out, like, those things would right. make sense, and that would be complex. But instead, she's just, you know, better, and she wasn't like literally two issues ago, she was afraid she might drink beer on accident. I know, like, <laughs> like. So who is this girl <laughs> and how did we get here? You know, and she, and, and in fact, she was afraid. She was afraid that like one of her best friends and her mom might make her drink alcohol. And Kitty was like, no, you know, we're not monsters. We just want to hang out with you. And like, like, I actually liked that moment. That's a, that is mm-hmm. Ellis doing a a clever moment that, you know, you can do organically without fundamentally changing who this character is.
0: I just think it just often goes to this place of like you know I can't believe I'm the one saying this because I mean my issues with the institution of the Catholic Church are many but just like the negative portrayal of religion again I just feel like it isn't productive because I just find it happens a lot in superhero comics where there just is no representation of someone having a positive like relationship Mm -hmm. with religion and like but not good ones well like I mean I think about something of like Kamala Khan or something as a notable exception and that's part of what's exciting sort of about her first story arc you know like she Mm -hmm. finds inspiration in her own you know version of the quran and that's really important and like it shows the way that real people negotiate their relationship with faith which is how people i know in real life typically (laughs) like negotiate their faith but like here it's just so binary And it's really Mm -hmm. laid on thick in terms of like, look at the the captions here. So I'm going to read some of them. So we get to Kinross. Kinross, the village is dominated by the church and its huge dark spire. You can see that spire from anywhere in the village. It casts a long dark shadow over the people of the town. And then we come into the church. The silence within is a massive crushing thing the windows filter out the day into a perpetual twilight briefly broken by a weak border of candles the door uh, i won't read the rest of it but like it's just like the intensity with which Mm -hmm. like the hatred for like this space and this institution and this person sort of comes across and like i get it i really really do like I was raised by a woman who was like, emotionally abused by the Catholic Church. I get it. Mm-hmm. But I don't know, I still feel that this kind of like anger comes across, which reduces things to unproductive binaries that becomes like speechifying and like not being true to a believable religious experience on the part of That's rain right. in order to just like do this, like, I want to yell about the Catholic Church. So I'm just going to make the character ciphers for me yelling about the Catholic Church. And again, I get the impulse, but that's not a good story. You know what I mean?
3: Well, I think that's what makes it partially, as as you said, makes it unhelpful. You know, I'm not a theologian, but I study, I've I've studied the interconnectedness of religion and politics and particularly in the United States. Um, And while this doesn't take place in the United States, there are very, it's the, it's the 90s. And if we situate this discussion in the discussion of the Catholic church, I'm thinking like Sinead O'Connor, for example. Mm -hmm. Um, And if we look at this, it isn't, this conversation isn't very helpful because it isn't very true. What do I mean by that? And I, there's no emotional resonance. She just, um, and I think it was alluded to earlier, there's this confidence that comes out of nowhere that someone who has been struggling with, as was noted earlier, struggling with uh, acceptance and tolerance, and having been brought up right, we're we're talking in the we're talking in the in the eighties, right, with the uh, the moral majority, and I'm just thinking of things that were on this this uh, broader scale, right, this public, the zeitgeist. So you've got televangelists, and you've got um, that were taken up in much better ways, and and God loves me and kills, me. but this is very much a product, an an intentional product of. The at least to me the intersection of of politics and and religion and we have a very sort of sto- you know she's very stoic Rain's very stoic and I don't know anyone who was who telling off let's let's say that she was telling off this person she's would she say I'm way past ready yeah <laughs> oh I'm long past ready so <laughs> yeah, in that know. like. Well, OK, if you're long past ready, there's no way you're this chill about it, mm-hmm. especially to someone who if you you offered in nothing but indoctrination, I'm quoting here, you offer nothing but indoctrination, but I found education. Right. So if this is this idea of you, I recognize that you abused me and, and I use that word intentionally here, like you you traumatized me. This is a very sort of stoic, almost removed. Right. She's very determined. But there's no the only emotion is like I'm looking at uh, looking at her face uh, in the in that spread and, and the only emotion that's that's really there is this sort of I'm sitting in judgment of you I'm scowling at you for shame for shame um, which isn't helpful uh, because it's not addressing the very real shame and and trauma and. You know generational abuse i was very i was raised in a very i know this guy let's put it that sure. way we'll get into it yeah. too much i know this guy and rain was afraid of her body because that's what the church And religion had told right i think it's very interesting it's one of the reasons i love this character because she's afraid of her body Mm -hmm. she's She's in fear of of, she's afraid of her power she's afraid Mm -hmm. of her her very physical being she's afraid of why is she afraid of drinking a beer because she was told that that is a sin right and so she's internalized all these things and here she is just like as you said like just chilling like squinting once but she's Mm -hmm. just like i'm healed like yo you basically just accused this man of being your illegitimate father but you're just like
0: yeah cool
3: that's okay so that that was my anyway bye
0: we haven't we haven't addressed that part of it And he's crying like that's he's crying
3: and she's not like what what (laughs) may god strike you down like all right cool like that's a a
0: huge revelation Yeah, yeah, yeah. and that's what like what
3: you're that's what you're talking about it's just like it doesn't ring true because it's not true it because it's not written from in my mind it's not written from a place of either authenticity or understanding like you haven't you're writing characters you don't understand and you're writing it from a singular perspective so as you said it almost sounds like spider jerusalem because that's you're using it as a sock puppet you're using this to speechify and that's so, not really helpful and yes so it's a huge character moment that's just like and mm-hmm.
0: I mean, it just strongly feels like, and I mean, I don't know this for sure, but I mean, it strongly feels like Ellis just wanted to say these things and has Rain say that as his mouthpiece, regardless of her character.
2: Well, okay, so I'm questioning that. And here's, so here's where, where I think it's weird, right? Ellis is a better writer than this, but I don't know that anybody knows that. So we are in real time, right? <laughs> now. No, no, I, no. I mean, then. No, 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 I, no. It's, no, no I, I dig it. Yeah. No, I, I get what you mean. It is. It is. It is 1996, right? We are, or is it even? Isn't even 96? It might actually technically. It's 96. 95.
0: We just yeah. got to 96,
2: right? Which means, which means, it's not 96 because comics have a have a yeah, you know, yeah like yeah. like it's probably technically 95. Okay, so we right. are we are literally. About a year into into him working for this company, Excalibur is a very early job for at Warren Ellis. He gets a couple of issues of like some Marvel twenty ninety nine titles, and he's doing like fill in issues on like I think he does a Thor comic here or there. It's he he like he's not a normal writer anywhere. This is like his first real gig. I Maybe he oh he had a Hellstrom run, but that might I can't I can't remember if Hellstrom was before or after this. But again, he doesn't have a lot of experience. And we are still in the code approved era. And he is mm-hmm. not like post authority. And pre-scandal, Warren Ellis writes his own check, and nobody tells Warren Ellis what to do. Right? Like they're like he gets to that point later on in the 90s, late 90s, early 2000s, where he is, you know, he's the it boy of comics. Sure, but like that's not who he is in 1995, 1996. So I wonder if he either. I think I think he may he maybe wants to do a serious story about religion, but. He's been given one book to do this, and he it has no breathing room, right? This is, um, there are better things being written in comics right now that are addressing these issues. Hellboy is mm. starting to happen. Like we, we mm-hmm. we're in a mm-hmm. we're in a world mm-hmm. we're in a world with Preacher. We're in a world where you know where with Sandman, where Vertigo comics. Can like address these things and better writers, which he desperately wants to be and will become, want to do stuff like this. I don't remember when Kevin Smith gets to do his Daredevil run. I think that's a little later. It's Um, later. Mm -hmm. yeah, Yeah. Which, by the way, I don't love. But, like, is trying to address these things, right? Like, uh, Matt, right. I you think can't Ellis... bring
0: that up on the podcast. It's one of my top three most hated comics. We're not talking right. about it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but, no, but, but, my, but, my point being, he at least got to do it for like 12 issues. Ellis mm-hmm. is trying to sho- shove this not even into one whole issue. He's trying to do it in four pages in a code approved comic there. That does, right? That does not want him to say, and by the way, you raped my mom and got her pregnant. Right, like, like it's trying to, like, it's trying to, like, hint at that without coming, because she never actually says it. She walks right, up, right. up to the line then, and very then, awkwardly avoids it in order to no in reason, order to pass CCA pr- approval.
0: But there's no reason for him to introduce that. Like, I mean, well, because
2: I think he wants the reason. The reason is he wants to talk about the hypocrisy of the Catholic Church, but he he does not have the agility to do it within the confines of code era Marvel in one issue. Like I, I think, I think, I think he is taking a bigger swing than he can handle at this point in his career and it comes across as like literally i mean it's very clear he signposts it and and you get what he's doing you know where he's like oh you know you like her because she's got hair like me and my mother what was that about like it's like yeah nobody talks like like this it's
0: just like the cartoonish evil though like i mean again it's not that these things clearly aren't a huge problem in the catholic church but she's implicating him in the rape of her mother and pedophilia like and it's
2: just
0: Uh like this is a lot you know this is really a a lot
2: for two pages. Yeah, it's a lot. And, yeah. and that's, and that's the flaw. Like he, if you're going to do that and I'm not, you know, none of us are super religious people, right? I'm not particularly religious at all. I'm very anti-religion in fact, but I understand it. And to, I think what, what Anna was getting at earlier, you want to have a deftness and a sense of, a sensitivity in order to tell that story and that's not that's not something you shove into you know 40 words of dialogue and then you're just done <laughs> like and, that's, and i think it's it, also interesting i think it's also interesting because
3: and andrew i'd love to hear your thoughts on this too because i was thinking about it historically we're talking about like this one this one guy is all the bad things yeah. right this <laughs> He's just like you're a pedophile and you're a rapist and you're a bigot and 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 and. Mm-hmm. But '95, we're in the heat of and, and X-Men took this up, but we're we're in the we're in the middle of the AIDS epidemic. We're in the middle of that not being taken seriously, people dying and then being being ostracized because of their sexuality, their identity, and they still are arguably. But but jokes were being made from the White House podium about it. At this point, or maybe just previous, maybe just a little bit previous. So, Andrew, I, I, you brought up that point earlier about Rain's significance as as speaking to some of those issues, and um, I, I'm, I'm interested to hear your thoughts in terms of like how she inter, intersects and interacts with with those issues within the Catholic Church because they've always they've always been there already.
1: Yeah, I, I think again, what you're seeing there is another simplification, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, this idea that the Catholic Church is portrayed personified through this one person who is unbelievably villain coded as you mentioned <laughs> <laughs> but it's weird this his reigns queerness is being diluted as well like look, that's uh-huh. not really in play for Ellis um no. so uh, not no, here well, no, feels not, like no. we're, yeah. we're disassembling the entire thing you know what mm-hmm. I mean like it, it's a new reign Sinclair just like it's a new fucking Megan every single issue. <laughs> <laughs> and and I, I hate that. That that lack Figure of consistency yeah, is what's yeah. killing this because this is a soap opera and it's a different character every issue.
0: Yeah. I mean, I can't disagree with any of that. Um, you know, I feel like we griped about this comic more than I was anticipating. It's not like a favorite. Introduce the pod being like i'm sure michael will like this one better than the other one and i'm like
3: which i did yeah well, oh, me- you were right i did
0: that as the conda issue but um anyway we'll see maybe we'll have some positive things in closing like get everybody a chance to do a final thought uh, I'll come back to you first Andrew was there something from this issue that you want to go back to or that you didn't get a chance to talk about
1: uh nothing even remotely important but there's the, the scene where they're all on the cliff at the start which is weird in itself but I find it really odd that we devote a couple panels to Kurt saying, well, I got to go goodbye. And it's just like, <laughs> like they weren't doing anything. They were just outside of the facilities and he apologizes for having to leave. Never explains where he goes.
2: No, he says he had to, he had to call Hank. Gotta go. He had a phone call. That's right. He has a very call important East. call. That's not what bothered you. Know what bothered me about that scene? It's not that it took so long. What bothered me about that scene is that in your time and their time, Kitty's known Kurt for I don't know, conservatively five or six years. Exactly. Oh, why? How how many times have you teleported with Kurt and you're bothered by the stench of brimstone? Not any bingo. Bingo. Yeah, <laughs> That was what jumped out at me at that point, too. I was like, why is,
3: Why are we acting out of character? Oh, everyone is? All right. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's been, I mean, exactly. like, the yeah,
2: first that's... time, sure, but you've known him for, like, six years. Like, if because uh, if we're saying she's 18 or 19 now, she met him when she was 13 years old. She, she's over the brimstone smell. <laughs> she shouldn't even notice it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> she's gone nose blind.
3: Like, like, that idea of, like, you, you can't smell... You're so accustomed to it that it is just a part of your daily life. It's a lived Mm -hmm. experience, right? This idea of, oh, anything to get away from that smell. Since when is that how Kurt and Kitty interact? So I thought it was a very strange moment.
0: Yeah, I feel like it's set up like we're going to go back to the phone call with Hank because it seems like an important plot point because why would you introduce that otherwise? But no.
2: Like there's a crossover about to happen or something. (laughs)
0: Yeah, yeah, but no, anyway um, (laughs) Mav, what have you got for us for final thoughts?
2: Minor also, super minor uh, Because one we talked about We talked about the, you know, the insinuation that that the Reverend likes the little girl because he reminds her of Rain and her and her mom, and I'm fine with that. I mean, I'm not fine with it, obviously. We've just talked about the problems with it, but um, but as a as a plot point, I'm fine with it. I'm fine with Ellis writing it that way. I, I want to take qualms with Malibu Hughes the colors because uh, Malibu Hughes has opted to uh color Rain's red hair as auburn yeah. rather than carrot red mm-hmm. the way that the way that comics typically have colored, you know, jean gray red is the color hair she's had previously and the the hue they're using is much more realistic to a person with actual red hair except that if you're going to do that why opt to make the little girl have jean gray red hair because now she doesn't look like rain anymore like that was mm-hmm. a that was just an unforced error because it's not like this little girl's important we'll never see her again just color her hair literally whatever crayon you use for rain <laughs> pick the same one so it's a digital <laughs> it's a digital color it's so not but i mean like but like why would you why would you have them say hey she's a redhead just like me and then use a different color because now she doesn't look like you and it was that little unforced error really really bothers me and it would have been it would have been something it would have been my thing that w- that I find most egregious jokingly except that it also bothers me that for all the craziness of Megan's powers change every issue and and by the way they're going to change again next issue so I don't want to dwell on it Megan's got a lot of play coming up so I'm not going to dwell on them much here but she told the fire to stop and the fire <laughs> hey, hey you <laughs> get out of here all right. okay, okay that, that's how the that that works now she's like oh no i can communicate with the fire all right if we're gonna go that you're an elemental and you can talk to fire okay but like are are, did you just if you believe that you're talking to fire did you just tell it to die (laughs) is that what happened
0: (laughs) existential crisis
2: yeah that's what i thought when i read this book i'm like whoa this is that was do we just are we just gonna just walk right past that huh okay all
1: right
0: Well, I'm kind of hung up on that now. I mean, my final thought was just going to be this is my combo letter page and final thought, which is that we get a tease of the next issue, which we're going back to Days of Future Past again, everybody. I hope you're ready. (laughs) Um, But we do get.
1: I know.
0: everyone's favorite. We do get some designs of the characters by Casey Jones, though, um, showcasing some fun haircuts and also showcasing a new look tangerine. So we will get to talk about that next week. I'm not mad at the haircuts. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, we'll, we'll talk about some of those looks in our, in our next issue. I will say that if I was reading this in 1996, I would be intrigued by those looks. I want to see Megan with this pixie cut and the smoky eye but anyway we'll get to that um Mike the privilege is yours to conclude our episode anything that you didn't get a chance to talk about or anything that you want to circle back to
3: um I like it when comics take a Take a swing even if they miss as long as it i mean I'll, I'll put a little caveat there you know sometimes it's sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't when it doesn't it it's a bummer i like that i like the idea that the house of ideas like the notion that the house of ideas still is trying to have thoughts and trying to like do interesting things i think it doesn't work a lot of times because it it becomes it becomes the point trying to do trying to do quote unquote important stuff rather than being the you know authentic honest conversations that mm-hmm. so many X Men comics and, and Marvel comics in general can have. I think is it Rick Leonardi on the cover? Is that right? You know, if if I go back and look, like it's real ham fisted, but it's like who's the real monster? Is it Rain or is it this <laughs> evil preacher? Right, like the VP's got like monster yellow eyes. It's like oh, real monster, huh? Who's the real bad guy? Like that, that's trying to do something that that i can at least appreciate in theory I, I like other comics better i thought this i thought this had its ideas in the right place but forgot to bring its heart along with it if that makes sense so mm-hmm. the notion is is good to critique social structures and 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 to, to invite interesting important conversations i just uh I, I just thought it missed the mark a little bit even though uh i do love these i do love these characters
0: that is incredibly fair thank you for that. My king, I couldn't do it. Excalibur cannot be lost. Other men do as I command. One day, a king will come, and the sword will rise again. Um. So we will wrap things up for now, other than to say, Michael, thank you so dearly for helping us. Oh navigate. yeah today's thorny issues and uh, before we go let's remind our lovely listeners of all the super special stuff you get up to if you would like folks to find you online what spots could they find you and what work or projects would you like to hype before we go just oh you. just me oh oh just oh sorry you.
3: I was like being polite alright fix yeah. that in post sorry um, you can find me until it collapses on twitter at mbdando um, at the risk of plugging another podcast on a podcast um, I do have we're just about to come back from hiatus my, my podcast Podcast Comics School, which talks about education and comics in particular. So we'll be coming back in a couple of months. We're, we're putting that together. Um, I am working on a few things. I will be I will be at San Diego Comic Con. I will be at the Comic Studies Society. Um, so if you want to check me out there, I'll be talking about hip hop and comics. Some of the work that I've been doing with the reimagining of a, a comic from 1947, called uh, Lion Man I'm working on working on some, some projects there so stay tuned and yeah that's that's what I'm what I'm up to.
0: Awesome. Yeah, I'm only going to be virtually at the Comic Study Society, but I'll definitely check out your panel. Uh, you know what I'm doing for that conference? With uh, a couple of other folks, uh, Ben Wu and Calervo Sinervo, whom uh, Calervo has been on our pod before, we are doing an autoethnographic report on our attempts to draw some of the tutorials from Bart Sears' Brutes and Babes column from Wizard. Yes. <laughs> and oh boy he's got some ideas about about drawing anyway that'll be i love that
2: i love that column i i -hmm. he had my favorite style of of drawing of drawing tutorial where it's like okay so how to draw captain britain first draw a circle and then draw the rest Mm -hmm. of captain britain around him that's that's basically his style of art
0: (laughs) Yep. Anyway, look, look out for that. Um, Yeah. Just thanks so much again for joining us, Mike.
3: Of course. Thanks for the invite.
0: Next, we will be discussing Excalibur number 94, Days of Future Tense, which is, you guessed it, and I already said, a Days of Future Past riff again. But as I also said, Megan's got a 90s pixie cut, so it's not all bad. In the meantime, if you liked what you heard, please follow us, like and review the podcast wherever you're listening to it or watching it. Don't forget to check out the fabulous YouTube videos, which we've done for many of our earlier episodes, plus our holiday specials. You can find those via the Box Popcast YouTube channel or our website. As always, if you want to chat with us about Excalibur, or pictures of the guest for a future episode let us know you can reach out via our website goshgollywow.com where we've got some fun extras and via twitter at goshgollywow where we post daily pages from whatever issue we're reading that week and more fun extras thank you andrea and for another righteous conversation thank you mike for sermonizing with us thank you all for listening <laughs> and a special <laughs> thanks to Maximilian of thought for music for a truly epic theme song play us out <laughs> yeah i'm updating I'm, I'm adam from that podcast that's why I'm well,
1: <laughs> now you yes. tell.